We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream this episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGood.com. Listen, now is the perfect time to sign up as we head full steam ahead into one of the biggest tournaments of the year. If you sign up today, that will be just in time for my Wednesday final DraftKings Thoughts article where I will be breaking down ownership, the weather, and of course, give my core four plays that I will be most overweight on relative to the field. You can grab the weekly pass for $7, which will get you into next week as well, where you can get my in-depth course breakdown, which I put out every single Monday morning. So sign up today using promo code Andy. That is the important part. If you want to help me out, there is a coupon code section at the bottom of the screen on the sign up page. You can just type in Andy there. If you can't find it or you forgot, just DM me on Twitter. We'll make sure you are accounted for, and I will have Rick email you a link to our Slack channel where you can reach me for any questions, DFS-related betting course breakdown questions that you might have. All right, coming up on this podcast, Daniel Rappaport of Barstool Sports, foreplay podcast. This is a good one. I uh, I met Dan at Riviera through our mutual friend, Chris Powers, and uh, he's somebody I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while. And we get into everything from the Netflix documentary that he was a major part of uh, to schedule changes on the PGA Tour to what the chatter is in the media center this morning at the Players' Championship, biggest storylines for the players championship, how players feel about the new schedule, what the chatter is about live, what direction that we both see live heading in. Plus his move to barstool, what it's like covering tournaments now working at barstool versus his previous employer, what it's like playing so much golf on camera, how he has fit into a brand with an entirely different audience and so much more. This is a good one. Um, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. So without further ado, live from the Media Center in Ponte Vedra Beach, let's bring on Dan. 
All right, Daniel Rappaport is here, Barstool Sports, four-play podcast, previously over at Golf Digest, now Netflix star as well. I got to ask you, man, you know, being in golf media is one thing. You've obviously tapped into a whole new audience heading to Barstool, but, you know, Netflix fame is a whole other marketplace. Have you noticed uh, that more people are noticing you? Have you gotten a bunch of texts and stuff like that regarding your performance in the Netflix documentary that just came out? All the above, all the above. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like, I, I didn't really really. So the show came out on Wednesday, Riviera week. And right. um, on Thursday, and, and and there were no fans on site on Wednesday, at Riviera. It's a weird thing that LA, fan, the crowds aren't very good. So they don't really sell, they don't sell tickets until Thursday through Sunday. So, you know, there was no one there. And then Thursday, I actually went up to San Francisco for the day uh, to meet my, my sister had a baby. So oh, I didn't, I wasn't there on Thursday. So thank you not the point of the story but thank you and so i come i come back and then on friday so it was my first time like seeing fans since and it was like it was insane it was like 10 times i mean it was it was picking up a little bit with barstool you know doing a lot more on-camera stuff but like you said i mean netflix isn't i think 230 million subscribers and think about how many how many people share those passwords so yeah it's it's been different you know going out in new york which never happened before you know i live in brooklyn which is like uh, pretty much as far from like PGA tour circle as you right. can get. Um, and it's happened a couple of times, but yeah, it's been super fun. I, I feel very fortunate. Like this was not something that I ever expected that, you know, these last 12 months between Barstool and Netflix have been different. This is not, I didn't anticipate yeah. this, but, but golf is kind of hot in the streets right now. And I think we're, we're, we're in it in the right time. Do you feel like you got the edit that you were expecting? Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, they, they definitely like, it's no secret that they, you know, sat for like, probably 10 to 12 hours of interviews oh and so gosh. they yeah and so they use a lot they, they chop up answers that's not again that's not a secret that's like something that you know is known so right. there's some things that i'm like oh, i didn't exactly say that but no there was there was nothing that i felt like you know was was dishonest to what i was trying to say or yeah. was misleading I, I think they did a really good job um you know and i think that a lot of that credit goes to chad mom the the executive producer because he he's a real golf guy and yeah. i think you know, the show did a good job of making things digestible and uh, easy to understand for the average fan. But also, you know, there are a few things in there that I kind of cringed at. The one that comes to mind is saying that the RBC Heritage is a springboard of the rest of the year, which is like, <laughs> that's just not true. It's after the <laughs> Masters. But, you know, other than that, I think they did a pretty good job of not not pushing anything or, or suggesting anything that was completely disingenuous. Right. I think they just announced within the last week that they are doing a season two in like the are, last hour. Right. Are they down there yeah. right now? Have you seen any of the yeah. guys? Yeah, uh, they're here. They were here. Uh, they were at Genesis. They were at Phoenix. You know, there was I think the plan was always basically the way Netflix works. I, from my understanding is that they can't officially. I'm going to move over here because this guy's playing a video pretty loud. I'm just going to move over. You're good. Um, no. Sorry about that. Uh, they can't like officially green light, green light something until they have, uh, I think it's tw 28 days or tw however long today is of data. It's right. just like a company policy. So, but they were always providing funding, like called like bridge funding, so to speak, sure. where they were going to fund it even if it didn't eventually get renewed. But I think, you know, once it got to number two on Netflix, I think it was pretty much a done deal. And, you know, I think the way these shows work with Drive to Survive, 
the first season didn't have Ferrari or Mercedes. And and some guys, you know, John Rahm is kind of the main one that jumps out. I don't think Tiger's going to do it ever. Uh, right. Tiger doesn't do Tiger doesn't do anything for free, basically. Maybe he would sit for an interview. I'm not sure. But John Rahm, you know, being one of the guys who I think was and Xander Schauffele the same way, kind of just wanted to wait and see. Like, yeah. what is it going to be like? What are the other guys going to say? What's the final product going to be like? Uh, and I don't think that that there was anything in there that would make guys less likely to do it. I think if anything, they're, they're going to be more likely to do it because you've seen Joel Damon's become a lot more well-known, a lot bigger. Star. I mean, he was on pardon my take, which is our yeah. biggest podcast at Barstool. Like he would never fucking be on pardon my take without, without that show. So I think there's going to be guys who have a little bit of FOMO, you know, that's definitely a real thing. And I, and I think uh, season two will, will hopefully be even better because guys will have a level of comfort that they didn't have with season one. Will you be participating again in season two? Jill? Will you have a similar role? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, again, I, I, <laughs> you're you're not, I don't know that. Yeah, no, I, I, it's not, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing an interview, uh, master's week. So okay. I think so. But again, you just, you just don't know. You don't know they, you know, they, they do interviews with people and then they use some of it or not, you know, not all of it. And Joel, I was talking to Joel actually about this. He was like, you know, they, they, we did like 14 hours of interviews and they used like three minutes. So right. you never know how the story is going to play out. You never know, you know, who's going to be where at what time. So I hope so. I hope so. Well, I think it's really important to have like narrator slash background voices of people like you. And I thought Amanda Brenner now did a even like Sean Foley. I was like very surprised at how they utilized him, but I thought they ended up doing it in a pretty good job where I feel like you it's very, very necessary to have people that have been so in the mix as kind of these background voices to guide you through what has been like the talk on grounds this week at uh because you're down there right now correct yeah yeah i'm i'm in the cafeteria right now of uh <laughs> yeah you know look the, the talk's mostly about the designated event changes i think right. that's just the last week it's just sort of been what everyone's talking about there was a players meeting this morning that a lot of a lot of guys did not go to because you know one one guy texted me this morning he's like why, why would i go it was 7 30 in the morning and it was just going to be the rank and file players bitching about these new events and not being able to do anything about it because the decisions already been made. So, you know, I, I, hopefully it's, it's getting to a point now where it's like, you know, it's a done deal. This is happening, whether you like it or not, but yeah, that seems to be, that seems to be the biggest topic of conversation still. And, and you, do you feel like players are kind of on the same page about this one or are they a lot more split in the, their preference of how this all ended up playing out? They're split, but again, that's, that's inevitable when you have a, an organization uh, with 200 members or whoever, however many people have PGA yeah. tour cards, there's going to be, you know, guys who are at the top who have leverage and guys at the bottom who don't. And I, I would argue that, you know, the, the sort of rank and file guys had it pretty, pretty good for the last couple years or a couple of decades, really. I would agree, uh, yeah. And this, and the stars, you know, are underpaid. And I think, you know, not to pick on James Hahn, but he's just been the most vocal one. You're talking about the top guys, you know, they're putting more money in their pockets. When these guys say top guys and stars, like that's just another word for best golfers. Right. So, you know, in any industry in the world, in any business, in any sport, the highest performers have more leverage and make more money. You know, the the difference here is that it's not the player impact program next. I mean, next year that determines who's in these events. It's not just popularity. It's the guys. Every single player in there did it with their performance. So, and again, you don't you don't want to say play better because it's been you know made fun of and and sort of always the catchphrase but it's like uh, you know you can complain or you can just become one of those top guys like tom yeah. kim did it you know kick kurt kitayama did it 
I, I have a hard time having sympathy for for people who want more money and more opportunity without earning it. Because, right. and at the same time, it's like they're still they're playing for more money. They got the five hundred thousand dollar, you know, basically universal basic income. They got the five thousand dollars. You know, there's there's things arising. Incredible high lifts, retirement lifts program, yeah. And, you know, and like, and and they're still having all these events that are they're still be playing for eight million or ten million. So it's a rising tide lifts all ships, and to to act like you know, oh we're we're getting the short end of the stick, you're not getting the short end of the stick. You're getting a shorter end of the stick, but that's because you're not quite as good at golf as the other guys. Right, right. Where do you stand personally on the whole cut thing? Because I know I've, for uh, yeah. for the gambling community, it's kind of a bummer. People in the gambling community actually love the idea of a cut, but where do you stand personally on some of these bigger events? having a cut versus not having a cut and like what is your ideal field size like how do you feel about this idea of what they've kind of settled in on as like 70 to 80 players so before it all came out i was hoping it would be about 100 players right yeah i think the i think the masters is a, a really good size yeah 100 players Obviously, the Masters is functionally a smaller field because you got the amateurs and the guys who won in 1987. But uh, that was kind of what I was hoping for. But I listened to Peter Malnati on, I think he was talking with Alan Shipnuck and explaining how you know, they ran thousands and thousands of simulations of the season with different field sizes for these elevated events. And if you had that 120 players or 100 players, then the, the non-designated events would get destroyed. And I, I believe that that's true. So I don't really have a problem with the 75 players. You know, I get it. I, I, you got to preserve the other events. And and like we just talked about, just play your way in there. I am not a fan of no cuts because yeah, a few for a few reasons, for a few reasons. Number one, and we look, we've, we've had this format before, the 75 players, 78 players, no cuts. It was World Golf Championships. And those events sucked. They, they, did. Just, they just sucked. They weren't very good. And I think it makes, with no cut, it makes Thursday and Friday, it can be rather boring. Um, you know, a cut is a, basically a tournament within the tournament. Just look last week, the PGA Tour was was tweeting video after video of all this cut line drama because it's right. it's real, it's drama, it, and it, it matters. And I, I agree with the gambling community. I think it, it makes things a lot less interesting. Uh, I also, you know, the, the main argument in favor of the no cut stuff has been Oh, well, you know, we need the stars around for the weekend. We need the stars around for the weekend. If we're being completely honest, there's only one person whose presence really impacts whether people come to the golf course or not. And he's right. going to play maybe one of these events a year going forward. Correct. So Tiger's the, Tiger's the only one who matters. And the other thing about this whole, oh, the stars around for the weekend is the stars don't really miss that many cuts. That's why they're stars. Correct. So, yeah. I, you know, is there probably an incremental benefit of having the guys around for the weekend? Sure. Is that incremental benefit worth giving up the symbolic uh or or narrative differentiator with live because that was a differentiator was we've got to cut this is this is old school competition this is how it's always been done this is the tried and true method the best players in the world next year uh will play probably around 18 to 20 times and most of those events will not have a cut so we're yeah. moving to we're moving to a model where no cut is sort of the norm and it kind of reminds me of tennis a little bit right tennis you only play the best of five at the majors. And so the AT, it's actually pretty similar to tennis because the ATP doesn't own the majors, just like the, the PJ Tour doesn't own the majors. Sure. But they do have they have their elevated events. They're called Masters 1000 series, and they have more purses and they're bigger events, but they're best of three. They're not best of five. And beating Novak Djokovic in a best of three match does not carry the same significance as beating him best of five. 
And I think the big winner from this whole thing is the majors because they're like, we're the, we're the weeks where all the best players come. There's going to be a lot of you. There's going to be a cut on Friday and tough shit. This is how it's always been done. And this is how we're going to keep doing it. Whereas the PJ tour and live, you know, no cuts have become almost the norm. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing that I kind of don't understand too, is like, I've been to a lot of golf tournaments where like you, I've followed, there's so many times where you'll get a situation. And I mean, it happened last week at Bay Hill where like John Rahm starts the final round in like 40th place, 10 strokes behind the leader. It's not like there's people out there following no. them. Like, like that's T- the, thing Tiger's the only one who draws crowds when he's behind. like, it's, it's only tiger. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing that I struggle with as well. And I feel like in general too, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, but I think that the PGA tour is missing out on this whole giant market of thinking about the drama surrounding the cut. Like what if there was, I mean, what if they just leaned into it, leaned into the gambling aspect of it and the daily fantasy aspect of it and did like a whole like red zone type deal, right? A hundred percent. And what if they also leaned into it as the it's a differentiator between golf and every other sport. Everyone starts at zero for the week. That's how it's been. And you earn, you eat what you kill. If you play yeah. shit, you're you're gonna leave without money. It's not a hundred percent true anymore because they have this five thousand dollar thing, whatever it might be. I don't know exactly the details of it, but if you miss a cut, like they'll they'll pay for your basically for your travel. But I think it's a cool thing. I think there's a reason I know it's been made fun of a bunch, but there's a reason why we explained what the cut was so many times in the Netflix show is because like it's it's dramatic. It's a it's a unique thing in golf that obviously the Netflix producers thought was worthy of of bringing to people's attention. So, you know, I, I think James Hahn is really really wrong on the limited field things, but I I do think he has a point with the no cuts because that really it's hard to not view that as just they want money. Right, right. So I want to ask you a little bit. So I want to shift gears a little bit. We've had the first we've had the first live event under our belt. Is there any conversation that you're noticing this week around Lev? Like, how has the landscape changed for you going to these tournaments based on when Liv was like the biggest storyline that everybody could not stop talking about? I remember every single media person that I talked to that went to the U.S. Open at Brookline last year was like, nobody could stop talking about Liv. The players, the media, it was all anybody talks about in the media center. Where do you think people stand on live as it stands right now? Like, is there is there a ton of chatter about it that you're hearing from players and other media members? The chatter this week has been more about what if somebody wants to come back. That seems to be the new question. There's um, yeah. we didn't we did an interview uh, with Matt Fitzpatrick for the podcast on Thursday, and and I think you'll be interested to hear his answer. Um, but. No, I mean, last year they had the rumor mill, right? Like that was what was fueling right. everything. It was like, I, you know, I'd be walking on the fairway, be like, oh, did you hear this guy's going? Oh, I heard this guy's going. That's obviously gone because this year they've got their 48 players. They've got their 12 teams. They've got their guys that they're riding with. So there's definitely less talk about it week to week. You know, most of the talk among guys in the driving range is, is a sort of, uh, I don't want to say making fun of it, but there's a there's a lot of jokes that are being made about sure. the videos and about the team names. So I, yeah. I think there's there's less of a fear that this is going to come and take all of our best players, at least because the, the PGA Tour guys are locked in through you know August. And right. I think having having the live event, you know, one of the benefits of live, I guess, is is that big break that they have between 
October and February when they start again. But but also they were out of the spotlight for a really long time and the PJ Tour wasn't. And so for the first live event to happen after waste management, which was electric, and after the Tiger Show and all the history and Rom versus Homa at Riviera, which was a great tournament. And then you go to live Mayakoba and and the buzz was just not there. To be fair, Mayakoba, there's, they didn't draw fans when the PJ Tour event was there. It's just like a resort that's kind of hard to get to. There's not going to be a lot of fans. But right. You know, the 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 team competition wasn't close. You had Charles Howell basically running away with the tournament against Peter Uline. It was just a bit of a dud. And so I think that Liv is a lot less, it's more curiosity now about how things are going to play out and, and whether there's going to be some rec- sort of reconciliation. But last year, there was an air of doom of like, oh my God, like, is all this going to come crashing down? And that doesn't seem to be there this year. You know, if, for example, if you, if a player like Joaquin Neiman, for example. And one thing that I think has been like really underreported in a lot of this whole live thing has been like the role that agencies have played in this. Like, one, walking, Well, there's been one agency, GSE the, Worldwide, that is funneling their players to live. Right. And Joaquin Neiman is such a, I mean, he's like 24 years old now. He just turned 24. These are massive, massive career decisions for these guys that are in their early 20s. And I mean, I at... I at 23, 24 years old was not even remotely prepared to make a decision about my life of that magnitude. Could you see a universe where a guy like Joaquin Neiman in a year is like, you know what? I didn't make the best decision. Like I, I kind of want to come back. And if you are the PGA tour, are you saying yes to a player like that immediately? Or is there, is there any penalty that you're giving them? Like how, how could you see that potentially playing out? if that does come true, where players do seem to want to come back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's gonna happen. Someone's gonna so? want to come. Well, someone's gonna want to come back. I think I, so too. I, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of these deals were two-year deals, and they're gonna be up. And people are gonna look at the designated event model and look at how much money you can make on the PJ Tour 
And if you're one of these captains, I don't think these captains realize exactly what they were getting themselves into. These guys are D- Dustin Johnson is no longer with Adidas. You know, his tailor-made deal, I believe, is just kind of like expiring. And it's like he's gonna have to find a team sponsor for his club. Like he doesn't want fucking anything to do with that. And, All he wants to do is play money for a bunch of play golf for a bunch of money. And the guy that was in charge of all of the sponsorships gone. for Web for these team events gone. Gone. Quit and a the, couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And and so and so it's gonna happen. Someone's gonna try to come back. And the PGA tour players are not are gonna fight like fuck to not let that happen. They're they don't they're not gonna want him back. Absolutely not, because these guys went, they made a decision, they were told before you probably won't be allowed back. They did it. They were constant compensated very handsomely for doing so. They were given millions and millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars. And if I'm Justin Thomas or I'm think about Hideki Matsuyama. Okay. They offered this guy like $300 million. Okay. And he said, no. And so you think he's going to be cool with, uh, Brooks Kepka waltzing back in with 125 million in his pocket after, after Hideki said no to 300 million. I mean, these guys will flip out. They'll flip out because that's, they made a decision to to stick with the PGA Tour because they bet on the PGA Tour. The other guys bet on something else, and and there are ramifications. I I don't think it's good for the game for there to be lifetime bans, and I do think there's going to have to be a swallowing of the pride because I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think that we're gonna. I just don't think they're gonna ban Brooks Kepka for life from the PGA Tour. I I just don't think it's gonna happen. But I will say there will be a mutiny from the players. There's going to have to be a heavy fine, a heavy suspension, whatever it might be. But even then, guys are not going to be happy. Right. Yeah. And I brought up Walking Neiman as an example because I don't think a guy who made a bad decision at 23 years old should be penalized for the rest of their life. Right. I think guys like Brooks are in a little bit of a different scenario where they're going to just have to eat like a little bit of humble pie on this one. But I, I think one thing I'm very curious to see if Liv is able to create any buzz without new signees. Like what is the draw for them? I think, I think they did. I think they played the rumor mill last year really well. And I think they've made some like really poor marketing decisions over the past year. But I also think that some of their marketing decisions they do deserve some credit for. I think the biggest thing that Liv had going for them last year was they were leaning into this idea of creating drama around a golf offseason, right? Like one thing that the NBA has done so well is that on Super Bowl week, when the NBA is kind of in the middle of their season and nothing's really happening, Kevin Durant gets traded to the Phoenix Suns and it's suddenly leading off first take during Super Bowl week. Or in the offseason, it's the first week of the NBA offseason and every other sport is in full go. And the first thing leading off Sports Center is like, where's Kyrie Irving going to go? And I think Liv kind of had a little bit of that going for themselves where they because the rumor mill was so strong at one point that they were able to create a lot generate a lot of buzz around the idea of what players are going but once you get past the idea of like these rosters being locked in what's there (laughs) like like what is there for them yeah no i completely agree i think look they were laying out a vision in a hypothetical vision, right? 
imagine we have these teams and there and there's everyone's fans of teams and there's captains and there's trades and it sounds cool on paper but there's a lot of ideas that sound cool on paper that don't sound nearly as good when you actually try to make them happen yeah and so you know yeah is, is it a cool idea for there to be something like this yeah but you're basically what live is trying to do what it what it boils down to uh, i don't want to say what live is trying to do because there's a, that's a very fraught question but from a business perspective what Liv is trying to do is turn golf into a team sport. And it, I, I just don't see it happening. Right. Like it would it be would it be cool if there was a team tailor made and a team Kyle and they traded those players and it was, yeah, it would be cool, but like that doesn't mean that it's gonna ha- happen in practice. And yeah. you know, there was a thing I think Peter Uline trade switched teams or something, and it was like Peter Uline goes from the Majestics to the four. I don't even I don't know what teams it was, but it's like these teams mean nothing. They're not tied to anywhere geographically. They have no history. They have no sponsorship deals. They're just four guys wearing matching uniforms. And they've bet their entire thing, their entire business model on team golf. And I, I just can't see it working out. I really can't. Yeah. yeah. I want to use this next question to shift to start because I want to talk to you a little bit about Barstool too. But since going to Barstool, have you noticed any difference in the how the fans feel about live like do you feel like a lot of the people that consume barstool have you noticed any difference in whether those people that are consuming your content now on barstool are they more pro live anti live like what have you noticed um i'm trying my best not to read comments so but <laughs> so I'm, you know but i'm obviously failing uh yeah i think there's stuff def- they're definitely a little bit more pro live just because the, you know the barstool audience is a bit more contrarian yes. they just like to like to kind of like that's to be what the i would have boy. expected a little bit yeah, yeah. just so you don't want to be the bad boy or you know just kind of like to yeah they just root for the the bad boy a little bit and i think live has definitely been you know at least portrayed sure. to be the bad boy so yeah, there's definitely a bunch of oh PJ Tour simp and you know you're on the you're on the payroll and oh did Jay tell you to say that? But look, it is what it is. Like I, I can only control what I can control, which is what I put out into the world. And then after that, it's it's out right. of my hands. Well, I've put out podcasts where in the same day I'm getting DMs from people saying, Are you getting paid for the PGA tour? And then another DM from a person saying Dude, I cannot believe you let live off the hook on all these different things. I'm sure you get a bunch of that stuff too, which in my opinion probably means that you're treating it the right way. Yeah. I just try to call it like I see it. I mean, like I think Liv has good ideas. Like yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't think that that's a a bad thing to say. You know, I think Yeah, I think they I think they have good obviously they have good ideas. I mean, look at the designated event model. It's you know, when they sure. say, Oh, all of our stars are gonna be here for all four days. I mean, that's something that Liv Day, yeah. Right? And you've we, been you know, very you know. fair on it from day one. Like even I remember when you were back at Golf Digest, like you've been very, you did a good job of staying down the middle on it. it yeah. I mean, I, I'm not one of these old school journalists who's like, I need to be completely impartial. It's more just like, I'm going to call out bullshit when I see it. So you know, a good example is like, you know, with this new designated event stuff, I'm cool with the, the smaller fields, but I think the no cut thing is bullshit. And I think when yeah. they talk about, you know, wanting uh, our stars around, it's, it's bullshit. They just want a guaranteed payday. So I just... Just try to call it like I see it, basically. Yeah, one thing that I think is a little bit frustrating is that like a lot of the pro-live people think that the media is biased and corrupt and all getting paid from the PGA Tour. And like, guys, maybe they just like aren't super down for the product, Um, which I, yeah. you know, I that's one thing I've battled with a lot. It's like, yo, I don't think that these guys like you have to think about like, think about the type of person that wants to be 
a golf journalist that wants to work in golf media. I remember when I was in high school, every single one of my friends went to go work on Wall Street. And yeah. I was like, I was like, yo, like, I'm sorry, but I love golf and I'm probably going to make 10x less money than you guys in my early to mid 20s. But like, this is a decision that I need to make for myself because I want to get out of bed every single day and like be psyched about what I'm doing. And so you have to think about the people that make the decision to be like golf journalists and golf writers, like they're maybe they're just not down for the idea of live and the actual product. Like these are people that have made conscious decisions in their life to probably turn down way more. Not that we don't get paid like a fair amount, but like these are people that are diehard golf fans that have probably turned down more high paying jobs to talk and write about what they love. Yeah. It's a good point. And, you know, you see a, a lot of people in the comments who are saying, you know, oh, it's all about the money. And, you know, with all these players, all they care about is the money. And it's like, no, there are actually there are good guys out here. There right. are good guys out here who said no to live because they feel a sense of loyalty or they feel like this is a better product or they want to play for like, trophies. And, and people or money are just so... isn't their North Star. In exactly. Life. Exactly. And that is something that is really hard for people to wrap their head around is that you know, just because it might be your North Star doesn't mean that it's everybody else's North Star. Right. All right. Last stuff. I want to wrap here with asking you some barstool questions. What has it been like playing golf on camera so often? Yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah, it's weird. Like, you know, when I signed with Barstool the day after uh, the tour championship. So there was a four month period there where there was basically no golf at all. Right. Um, and so I was kind of thrown into the deep end of like we did travel series, we did scrambles and yeah, those guys have a have a, a banter and a, a relationship and a camaraderie that has been built over six years that I obviously don't fit seamlessly into. I don't know them as well. And obviously, I come from an extremely different background. I'm a different type of golfer than they are. So, you know, it's been a learning experience. I, I, I'm definitely You're not definitely upset. a different type of golfer than they yeah, are. but it's like I'm 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 happy that 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 there's like real golf again and that I can kind of do my thing because because again, you know, I'm happy to play golf on camera. I'm I'm happy to do it. I think you know people like it or they don't. But what, that's not what I was brought on here to do. I was brought on here to to do what I do, and that's something that has been uh, reinforced to me was. You know, don't try to be the fourth one of us. Just just do what you do. That's we didn't hire you to change. So right. um I'm I'm a little more comfortable in the media centers definitely than playing in front of camera. I was gonna say that because I met you for the first time at Riviera and this it was actually at Riviera was my first time being inside the ropes at a tournament getting credentialed. It was it is literally the first time that I was covering a tournament as part of the media. And you were so in your element. Like I could yeah. just tell immediately from the second I walked. I mean, up I, to you, I keep. A I was list. just like, this guy. This guy is. He knows what he's doing, and here I am sitting here with powers. Like, where do I go? Like, who do I? What do I, mean, I say? <laughs> yeah, like I, I keep a list somewhere, but I, I think I've done like eighty of these, like now. Yeah. So it's and like you started at a young age. Yeah, yeah. It was actually this week was uh, five years ago was the first golf tournament I ever covered. I was twenty three. Yeah. Um, and Webb Simpson ran away with it and it was super boring. Well, it wasn't that boring because Tiger was like coming back and he played really well on Saturday and Sunday, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been, it's been five years. And, and again, it's just, it's like anything else in life. It's just do it more often, become more comfortable. So 
you know, once you've been to 80, I'm sure you'll be in your, in your zone as well. Have you noticed any different difference in covering golf, golf tournaments for Barstool as opposed huge, to Golf Digest? Huge difference. You know, Golf Digest is in the page view business. Yeah. Right. So, so if something happens um, in a press conference, uh, today is a good example. Rory said, uh, you know, Lave has been good for all professional golfers, which is a, a headline worthy quote. So sure. back in my old job, I would be immediately type that up. You want to get it first. It's got to catch on SEO. You, you know, you want to get that search juice. That's not really the business that I'm in now with golf uh, or with Barcel rather. It's more of like a, a brand building exercise. And so for me, it's like, instead of doing the, like a little quick post on one thing at the end of the day, I'm going to do a column that kind of takes people in and wraps everything up because the goal is to build the fan base. It's not, it's not necessarily to get page views because we monetize in other ways. The blog is not, is not a huge driver for revenue for our brand. It's merchandise, it's events, it's the podcast, it's video series. So the goal is to continue to build fans and build followers, not necessarily milk every page view possible. Um, last question before we get out of here, give me, I need one name for you. Who's going to win the players. Rory's going to win it. And I, and I feel pretty convinced about that. And the reason why is because it's just not a major championship and he's yeah. done everything that you can do in golf since he won his last major without winning a major. He's won the players. He's won the FedEx cup multiple times. And I don't want to take away from winning this tournament. It might be the hardest. It, there's an argument to be made that it's the hardest golf tournament to win, but it's not a major. And I could so see him winning this week and getting back to number one in the world. And it's like, we're crowning Rory, we're crowning Rory, but in the back of everyone's heads, it's like, does it really matter? Yeah. Does it really change the narrative about his career? It's cruel. But when you win four majors, by the time you're 25, you know, those are the standards you're going to be judged by. So I feel like it's going to be Rory obviously finished second last week. It's one here recently. And, and it's the PG tours crown jewel i could totally see him winning i could totally see it being a big moment and he's going to win a gazillion dollars probably get back to number one in the world and the narrative is just not going to be that different okay final final question because now you got me thinking if i gave you over under 0.5 major wins for rory this year are you taking the over or the under because i'll tell you one thing man i went to go play oak hill this summer they won a member thing- there I know. I saw his locker. It's right. Yeah. He's, an, he's one of two honorary members and his wife is from Rochester. And the member that I played with was like, yeah, Rory was actually here. Like, no, they have the they, her family. A her family yeah. has a place up in the Finger Lakes. They go there like a decent amount. Yeah. And the other thing that I was going to add to it, too, is like people are going to remember Oak Hill for Jason Duffner winning this like tight tree lined golf course. Like, no, that oh, is I've heard not- it's way different. Right. Well, they took out 500 trees. I mean, it is kind of a bomber's paradise. And you play that course. And like the first thing you think of is like, oh, this is a golf tournament where like John Rahm and Roy McElroy are like starting on second base before anyone tees off. So that's that's kind of where I feel like might be the spot for him. Man, it's tough. I feel like Rom's going to definitely get one at least. Um, yeah, and then we've got LACC too, which is yeah. I'm LACC so is a giant question mark. I'm really interested yeah. to see because you know I've played there a bunch of times, and and it's they're going to have to make it so damn firm or bring the rough in so tight because there's no trees out there either. I mean, these guys are going to hit it miles and miles and miles. I'll take. I'll say over. No, I'll say under. I don't think he wins one this year. By the way, there's no real rhyme or reason, but that's the right. That's obviously the right line. What do you think it would be? in? I mean, you know, this stuff is uh, that like an even money bet. I yeah. You know, Rory to win one major this year is probably like plus 300 or something like that. Plus 200, maybe closer to even money. I don't know. I mean, he's 
probably going to be like nine, 10 to one at every single majors. Yeah. yeah. So I guess if you divide that by four, I don't know. I'm not prepared. I don't know to how do the math, math works. Right yeah. Now. By the way, <laughs> it's a little complicated. By the way, as an LA guy, how are they going to fit everyone in LACC? I mean, it's literally, I don't think people realize it's essentially like if there was a top. It's on Wilshire Boulevard right before the biggest Beverly Hills. Stri- one of, literally one of the biggest streets in Los Angeles. And it essentially be like if a top 10 golf course in the country was in the middle of Central Park. So I am, I'm fascinated to see. I think traffic is going to be a new new levels of nightmarish. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be horrendous because Riviera is already a disaster, and yes. you know that's that's uh, not a major championship. But you know they do have two courses, so they'll be able to fit everyone once they get there. But getting there will be the problem. Yeah. When are, okay? So you're. I keep hearing these rumors from Powers that you're moving back to L.A. They're when's not rumors. They're actually, true. When's this move actually happening? Because I play golf with a bunch of your buddies, I think, from yeah, high school yeah. and stuff growing up. I was playing with Piz yesterday, who... Oh, uh, Pizzaferro? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, um, dude, yeah. we watch so you back getting... at El Cap. There's a, there's a <laughs> bunch of good games for you whenever you come back. Definitely, yeah. I'm getting married the week before the U.S. Open, and then we're moving back like a few months after that. So uh, in the fall, probably after the tour is kind of, you know, I'm done traveling as much, probably in that like November, December range. What neighborhood? We haven't quite figured that out yet, but we'll, okay. we'll keep you posted for sure. Cool. Um, Daniel Rappaport, everybody. It was good to see you, buddy. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely. All right. That is it for the podcast. Special thanks to rickrungoods.com. Special thanks to Dan Rappaport. No Sunday podcast this week as I will be in Santa Barbara playing one of my favorite golf courses in the world with two of my best friends, one of my favorite yearly trips. So no Sunday podcast, but we will be back on this feed on Tuesday talking Valspar Championship. Until then, enjoy Players Championship Week. Best of luck with your bets, and we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead center back road stop Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.